Welcome to podcast with Statsman and AJ Rotowire's Fantasy Hockey Show. Folks, I'm Paul Bruno coming to you not from Southern Ontario this week, but I'm in beautiful, beautiful and normally sunny uh, uh, Paradise Valley over in uh, Arizona here. But today is one of the six or seven days a year that it rains and it's coming down pretty hard right now. And I wonder what the weather is like where my co-host AJ Scholes is residing. Of course, he's a great follow at AJ Scholes 24. He's based in uh, Sun Prairie, Wisconsin. That's pretty close to Rotowire headquarters over in, over in Madison, which is a hub of a lot of activity these days. Uh, AJ, how are you doing, buddy? Doing well. Uh, it's nasty here. It's like the rain, snow, mix, garbage. It is unpleasant here. So I would much rather be by you in, uh, in, the, sun, in the sun, even if the rain is uh, temporary. It is temporary, and as I told you about before we went there, I'm looking forward to making my golf debut in 2024 in the coming days, so that's something of an unexpected pleasure. When you book a trip down here, you can uh, flip the switch on the weather normally, and we've enjoyed several nice days, but today it's a lousy one, maybe giving me a break and not having me look out the window, which is to my right here to see a blazing sun, but uh, more temperate and uh, more temperate temperatures in the, in the 60s, and uh gray skies and a little bit of rain falling right now as i said but we're here to talk hockey and uh, we got a couple of storylines that i want to touch on off the top aj we have a new coach in long island patrick while replacing lane lambert i have strong feelings about this edition but i wonder i'm going to give you first serve and see what you think and might expect from this addition to the coaching staff i'm just really looking forward to i think it was uh april 1st uh the islanders play the flyers uh so patrick wah on one bench and john tortorella on the other uh if that game gets chippy it could extend to the benches and that could be (laughs) quite uh the the show to watch that's for sure so that is the game i am now most looking forward to outside of penguin games just to see if we get some fireworks between that duo well, you know, fireworks is definitely what uh, what Patrick brings to the table. Uh, even as a coach, AJ, this guy is a firebrand, and he knows how to get the most out of players uh, every night. And he has challenged his new club already to play with a fire that he brought to the table. And uh, it's interesting how he uh, bought into the clean-shaven approach right very quickly it's Lou Lamorello continuing to run a tight ship over here and Wa has bought in he's looking clean shaven and probably took 10 years off his uh look here uh, of late with the gray beard gone but he looks like he could almost play the way he uh, the way he looks right now same as uh, when he left the league but he's here to fire this team up and and they're almost built in an image that you, you got to think that he might like a close checking hard hitting team that will give it uh their all every night and i think he's got to like the band of players that he's got on the ice to choose from to uh, play in a style that he is uh, very comfortable with. I hate that rule for the record. And it's not just because of my facial hair, but it's like, what, what is the difference? How, how a guy really plays better if he's always clean shaven and has to, you know, keep it trimmed up. Like I, I, I worked for a boss who wanted that to be the rule, but I wasn't going for it. And uh, I just, I think it's the dumbest thing in the world that they can't have facial hair to play hockey. Like, seriously, I don't understand it. It's so Well, well I, I can see where you're coming from for sure, but I'm, I'm thinking he runs a ship that uh, mirrors what, what the league was like way back when and uh, wants to have everybody playing under the same set of rules and no outliers. I think that's the only thing I could think of. But like you, I'm not bothered with the facial hair thing at all for much the same reasons that you said. It's just to lose an old school guy and uh, bringing back old school rules to the NHL, at least on his club. So, But uh, I'm curious. Well, let's bring back. I mean, there's some other old school rules that we don't bring back either. So, you know, let's uh, let's maybe dispense with that and just uh, just play hockey. I can see we've touched a nerve with AJ. That's going to make for a fun show, I'm pretty sure. But, partner, on the ice, do you expect the Islanders to get an uptick from this edition? Bottom line. Absolutely. I, I think that's just Patrick Waugh's style, kind of firebrand coach that's going to fire, you know, motivate these guys. And I think it's going to be great for Simeon Varlamov, uh, you know, and Ilya Sorokin, but Varlamov especially with his kind of return from injury. Uh, so I, I do expect to see the Islanders have a little bump here. 
And AJ, we're going to have a pretty much a goalie-themed show here This uh, with Patrick Wozniak's topping the list. But I looked around the NHL list last week because of a, uh, an analyst comment. Jamie McLennan, another goalie himself, retired a few years ago. But he's covering a lot of games in southern Ontario. And I heard him say earlier this season that it's important for teams to have three viable options in the Nets uh, to endure the rigors of an 82-game schedule. And I, I, I took a deeper dive this past week, and I found that only nine of 32 teams have used the two-goalie system so far this season. All the rest have used at least three and sometimes up to five because of injury and poor play. So uh, I wonder what you think about the goalie depth situation, and we're going to get more into detail with some of the specific situations around the league, but uh, do you buy into this? Or are you, uh, when you, let's say when you draft a team, AJ, do you pay a special attention to the goalie position when you uh, get ready for your annual drafts? I mean, I think you absolutely have to, um, you know, the, there's, there are some players, you know, if you have the first pick, like you can't not take McDavid, right? Like it's right. just not, but for the most part, I tend to lean towards using at least one first or second round pick um possibly two in the first four like goalies aren't aren't replaceable the way that forwards and defensemen are um so you know I like to have uh, a, a solid tandem and then you know later on try and get a, a third option uh, from a from a fantasy standpoint from an on ice perspective uh, I think because we're seeing more and more teams going to goalies I do think it's important to have a, at least a somewhat temporary viable third option because an injury is going to happen a guy's going to get sick for a game or two, you know, like it's, it doesn't have to be a major injury, but it's going to happen. And of course it's going to happen right before you're heading into a back-to-back, right? Of course. Uh, so you need a third guy as, as a viable option. And, and we're seeing some of the problems that Carolina's experiencing this year because mostly because they don't have an AHL affiliate. Uh, so Freddie Anderson has the blood clotting issues. He goes out, uh, Piotr, uh, Kocek goes down with the concussion and now you're down to one guy. They had to claim Spencer Martin off waivers. They used their ECHL goalie because again, they don't have an AHL affiliate. Uh, and so, yeah, I think you, you have to have multiple options here um, to, to really be able to step in if something comes up. Well, and t- closer to home here for me in Toronto is the situation with the three goalies. And can I, I can't imagine where they'd be without the addition of Marty Jones to the mix because he really has uh, come in and uh, shut the, held the fort for the most part, although he's flagging a little bit lately. But uh, he certainly has uh, – he's got more wins than the other two guys uh, year-to-date. Uh, Samson has had his struggles uh, to keep uh, playing at a style that and a level that he was playing at last year. He's really not – not near what he was last year in terms of the stats and uh, coming off a, a nice win the last start, but before that really a struggle and even demoted to the minors uh, while Jones held the fort because Joseph Wall, a young guy who's in his first pro season in the NHL was, uh, was doing quite well before he got hurt and he's skating with the club now and almost ready to return. So they'll have three goalies in tow. And I wonder, if they may turn their attention to keeping three guys on the active roster, which a couple of teams around the league have done throughout the season, but the Leafs can ill afford to lose Marty Jones, who's proven his worth. And uh, even if the other two guys uh, play at full strength, I think they realize the insurance policy that they have in him. And with a goalie trouble around the league, he will be snapped up uh, to help other situations, not the least of which is the Carolina one that you mentioned. AJ, will be, as I said, we'll be in and out of goalie situations around the league when we go through our usual list of uh, information to help uh, Pooleys keep their teams up to snuff during the regular season here with the recent goings-on. We'll start with our look at the forward position, though, this past week, and I'll volley to you to uh, lead us into a discussion of key forward players that can help your roster based on recent production. Yeah, we've got a couple of guys, you know, last couple of weeks, we've seen uh, some very low ownership guys show up on this list, you know, talking one, two, three, you know, percent, uh, 30%. We've got a few guys that are maybe a little bit more owned that are showing up on the list here. Uh, A couple of them from Philadelphia and the top of the list is Joel Farabee. Uh, We're showing 48% ownership uh, across the board for him. Obviously, this is coming, you know, from the fact that he is currently on a six-game uh, point streak, looking pretty good. 
Uh, he's got goals in four of those six games, three of his uh, nine points over that stretch coming with the man advantage. So about half of the leagues out there could consider grabbing him. I think it's worth a look. Um, you know, he is getting a bigger role in part because uh, Owen Tippett is out. Um, but I do think Farabee should fit into a top six role for them for a while here. The other one from this team is Cam Atkinson, a veteran guy who uh, is similar production right now. He's got points in uh, five straight games. My only concern with Atkinson is that they are deploying him in a third line role. So far, it's not really affecting them. Um, but, you know, and maybe you could even call this like a 2B line um, playing with Morgan Frost right now. And so I'm a little concerned about, you know, the fact that he's not really in the top six. But um, overall, I think, again, you know, 19% ownership should be plenty of guys out there that can go ahead and get him off off the top of the board um, as much as it pained me to talk about Flyers players for, for a couple of minutes there. Uh, I'll switch over to Colorado. Another name close to the top, Logan O'Connor, moving into a more prominent role for Colorado. He's got a fresh off a hat trick uh, just a couple nights ago, has goals in six goals in his last seven games, uh, has points in all but two of, uh, of his last uh, – looks like 10 games here. Yep. All but two of his last 10. And so getting more opportunities, Logan O'Connor with, you know, again, you know, he's not playing with McKinnon or Rantanen, uh, but he is up there in the second line role for Colorado. And this is an offensively minded team. Uh, and so he should get plenty of opportunity there. So those are a couple names at the top of the list. Uh, O'Connor is more on the lower end of the ownership, just 6%. I think he's worth taking a look if you need some forward help here. Uh, definitely somebody to grab. And AJ, I'm going to start my comments with a couple of Montreal Canadiens who are turning some heads of late. Sean Monaghan playing very well and getting a lot of key opportunities in offensive zone starts more often than not. Uh, is uh, coming off a nice week where he had produced 38.4 fantasy points in the Yahoo scoring system based on a, a pile of assists last week, AJ, it seems. And uh, he's been already earmarked for a key move at the trade deadline. They've already said they're not going to hang on to this guy and they're going to try and deal him. I imagine a team looking for a, a solid, big, uh, rangy forward will not hesitate to make an offer for his services. Uh, he's managed to stay healthy. That's that's a bonus too for, for him because he's been struggling with that aspect for a few years now. Uh, also, Jurek Slavkovsky, who I've slagged uh, since he joined the NHL. He looked like Bambi on skates for the most part to these eyes, AJ, but he's playing some of the best hockey of his young career of late and getting uh, top-line minutes with uh, Suzuki and, uh, and your pal over there in Montreal, uh, Cole Caulfield, they're playing very well as a trio, and Slavkovsky's actually got a few points, two goals and one helper last week. He's owned in only 6% of leagues, but if you're in a stash situation, I don't know why you wouldn't put this guy uh, in in the depth part of your roster or reserve section if you have it, because he still has time to turn it, turn his career into what has been expected since he was drafted first overall. And We're starting to see flashes of, of the right direction. He's only 19 years old. People forget that because he's been in the news maybe a lot uh, since he joined the league, but uh, starting to turn my my uh, head a little bit with the way he's been playing recently. Another guy who's really uh, caught my attention is Wyatt Johnson in Dallas, AJ. He's listed as a center, but he's playing on the wing on the top line with Pavelski being dropped down a little bit lower, and that's a great spot for him, and he's made the most of it in the past week with two goals and two helpers, 12 shots on goal in the four games that he's played, and uh, as long as he keeps that level of production, he'll be staying with the big boys on that top line, getting power play minutes as well, so a real bonus in fantasy play and and dfs play for that matter as long as he's holding on to that situation and one final guy that i mentioned before i'll volley it back to you is tj oshi of washington he's playing a regular shift and is healthy finally too coming off three goals and one helper last week owned in 21 percent leagues around the nhl uh, in yahoo leagues and uh, performing at a level where you expect him to be as a as a key player on the, a team that has playoff aspirations they're hanging on uh, but they've got a lot of competition. They're going to need him to continue to stay healthy and do what he's doing, but he's doing it in a top-six environment on the Washington Capitals, getting lots of power play time and a viable option for those people that are in the 79% of leagues that 
have not used him as an active player yet uh, currently this season. Well, I'll jump over to defenseman then for us, Paul, and uh, start again uh, going back to a pair of Colorado players showing up on this list, Samuel Garrard uh, and uh, Josh Manson. Now, obviously, you know, Kale McCarr is the name that we all talk about uh, on a pretty regular basis. Samuel Garrard, though, a good last week, uh, four helpers over that stretch. Now, here's the one concern I have for him. He had a long-term absence, was out mid-November uh, to late December here, 11 games back, seven helpers over that stretch, um, but just 13 shots on goal. And he doesn't get, he gets like middling power play opportunities with the number two unit. There's not a ton of it. So I don't think you're going to get a lot of goals out of Garrard. Could chip in assists as he has been, but I think he's going to be a little bit more uh, hit or miss. The same can be said of, of Josh Manson here. You know, you look, uh, had a had a two game stint out. He's been a little bit more consistent in terms of of production over his last twelve games. He's got points in eight of those contests, nine total. Uh, again, he doesn't really have any role with the power play, so keep that in mind. You know, if power play points are um, heavily favored, you're not going to get them out of him. But he seems to be just chipping in these little bits. The shot totals are okay, twenty six shots over his last twelve games. Uh, so just a player to keep an eye on when you're trying to maybe get a share of Colorado, um, you know, without being able to get, whether it's season long or, or DFS, uh, without being able to get maybe Devin Taves or Kale McCarr, who are going to be the bigger names, I think, Gerard and Manson, options to at least consider depending on what your team looks like. Well, I already proved my medal by talking about two Montreal Canadiens, but you're you're reluctant to say nice things about Philadelphia Flyer guys still. So no, I gonna... did it once. I did it once in the show, Paul. We're done. Okay. <laughs> I'm going to talk about another guy, Igor Zamula in Philadelphia, has really hit the floor, hit the ground running here with his recent performance. He's got two goals and two assists last week, getting power play minutes as the linchpin on that, that uh, extra man attack and uh, playing a lot of, upwards of 15 minutes a game right now, and I could see those t- minutes rising if he continues with this offense, offensive productivity, which is from, coming from a guy that we didn't forecast would be a factor this season with the club. So it's like found money for a team that is one of the surprises around the NHL to date, and he's actually at the top of the list in terms of productivity last week for uh, players who should be largely available in your pools. Ditto for Sam Malinsky in Colorado, another situation where a young player is making the grade on a power-packed team. Goal and three helpers, nine shots on goal, and uh, they're looking for help offensively behind Makar and Taves, and this guy could be a third effective piece in that regard, certainly showing well last week. Uh, In Toronto, Jake McCabe is trying to become a second viable uh, offensive option and showing quite well uh, with his play. He got two goals. Last week, um, there's only two shots of the week, actually, AJ, but in hits and block shots, he's a a leader, uh, game in, game out for this club and really has changed kind of the profile of the team, uh, at least on the back end where they were criticized for letting players stand around in front of the net. He's one of the guys that's that's now making it a bit of a minefield for opposing forwards, and uh, I'm the first one to applaud that. But I like what we're getting offensively out of him, and he's charging into the attack when the Leafs put some pressure on the offensive zone uh, like a low uh, like a dietary version of Morgan Riley I'll say <laughs> and then uh, and then uh, over in New Jersey they're looking for help on the back end with Dougie Hamilton out of the lineup and young Simon Nemich has really shown well uh, recently playing upwards of, of 21 minutes a game got two assists last week He's been a physical component of the back end, but showing some offensive chops. And we expected that based on his profile as a high draft pick. So he's getting a shot to do what uh, he did best as a junior age player at the NHL level. And I'll close with a comment on Alexander Romanov. He's a guy who I expect bigger things from in the near future. What with the addition of Patrick Waugh, I could see him really benefiting from Waugh's addition behind the bench and uh, his offensive ability should come to the fore here. He's playing 
upwards of 20 minutes a game and earned 25.4 fantasy points, only owned in 10% of leagues out there. And the Islanders desperately in need of an offensive uh, boost from somebody on the back end. I'll close my comment, too, with a player on Ottawa, a team that's been struggling of late. And here's another guy whose name is going to be mentioned pretty freely when the trade deadline approaches, and that's Artem Zub, a physical force on the back end. He has uh, a good shot. He had a couple of assists last week, can take on a lot of minutes. And if he's in a better situation with an offensive team, uh, a better offensive team than Ottawa, let's say, uh, he, he he's a guy that could benefit as well. So uh, I might pick him as a guy that should be on the move to a better team and as such should raise his fantasy profile. Well, uh, start the goalie talk uh, a little bit differently today, Paul. We're, we're going to take a broader look at, at all the goalies, not just the ownership percentages. And because of that, I'm going to start talking uh, Vesna trophy real quick. And uh, it's uh, it's, you know, you look at the odds on, uh, on, on sports books. Uh, I'll look specifically at the DraftKings sports book, but you'll see this across all the board, all, uh, the whole range of them. It's pretty much the Connor Hellybuck show. Uh, it's his award to win at this point coming in on the DK sports book at minus minus one ten. Uh, next closest is Thatcher Demko at, at plus 400 and then Jeremy Swayman at plus 650. I think obviously Swayman is going to be hurt. Uh, potentially by the fact that, you know, he's, he's been playing more lately, but that's because Olmark has been hurt once, you know, with Olmark back to, to full health here, I'd expect we're going to see them share the net. So he's not going to get the same workload um, that, that you're going to see out of there. As far as Demko goes for his part, the workload is up. The, the, the winds are coming. I mean, he's on uh, a seven game win streak right now. Uh, but he, you know, he has nights where the D has to bail him out. You look at that seven game win streak has two games where he gave up three or more has another two games where he gave up four. Um, so, you know, he's, he's getting some help, which, you know, is not a bad thing. Um, but you just compare that to Connor Hellybuck's numbers right now. And they're, they're just insane. Um, they're very similar to the year that he, he did win, uh, the, the Vesna. Now he has dropped a couple games lately, uh, but in his last 11, he's eight, two and one, one, six, three is the goals against average. I would say if you're looking for a knock on uh heli bucks game, it's, you know, just two shutouts this season, uh, a little bit lower than, you know, I think uh, there's a couple guys at five right now. So, but overall, you know, like I said, the, the odds indicate, you know, you're not even getting even money return on, on Connor Hellybuck right now. Uh, I, I think it's his trophy to win. Uh, if you're looking for like an outside chance guy, just kind of scanning this list. Um, I might consider Igor Shesterkin at plus 2000 as, as kind of an outside chance, maybe Cam Talbot plus 1200. Um, but uh, again, for my money, I think Hellybuck's going to run away with this one. So yeah, I think he already has. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> well, I, I want to spend Still some time. Play. I mean, you never know. Something could happen. He could fall apart. I don't want to, you know, write his name on the trophy quite yet, but it's pretty much there. Well, he's got a couple of tough games against the Leafs this week, so I'll get a good look at him and maybe I'll draw my conclusion at that point too. But AJ, I want to spend some time on this goalie list because as I said, there's a lot of storylines behind it that bear mentioning. And we go to the top of the list of the top performers last week. And Logan Thompson has been carrying the mail effectively for Vegas right now. He picked up uh, three starts last week and uh, performed very admirably here with three wins and uh, 40, 86 shots saves during the week. So he's going to get some help though with Aiden Hill coming back and that's one of those two goalie situations to watch for and it'll probably be a win and you stay in kind of a circumstance when they're both healthy. But right now, Logan Thompson bears some watching. He's owned in 76% of leagues. I don't know what the other 24% of leagues are doing without him on a roster, but he certainly should be uh, on uh, most rosters based on his recent play on the fact that he plays on the defending Stanley Cup champions. And next to him, Ukapeka Lukanen for Buffalo has emerged as the go-to option. I mean, there was a whole hullabaloo about Devin Levi, who's been up and down with from the minors this past week and is currently back in a backup position. But Lokanen looks like he's uh, ready to take on the role for a time uh, based on two wins last week and only two goals against and a couple of shutouts uh, as well. So he's had a very good week 
and uh, is full value for uh, a rise in his ownership recently, still only at 41% when you look around the league. You mentioned, we mentioned Ilya Sorokin as maybe the most valuable player on Long Island. He's playing a workhorse type role and at the beginning of the season would have been one of maybe a half dozen goalies that people would have said, this guy's going to play around 60 games played during the regular season. And he's on pace for that and putting up numbers weekly and consistently that merit that selection. And with the addition of Raw behind the bench, the emphasis is going to be continue to be on the defensive side of the puck. So he's a very solid player and that's indicated by the 99% ownership that he currently has. And a guy whose ownership is rising steadily is uh, the goaltender for the hottest team in the league. And that's the Edmonton Oilers. They're on a uh, club record 13 game win streak. Now that one turned my, uh, caught my attention, AJ, with, with the fact that this team has had a big history in terms of great teams in the past. They are currently riding a, a historic 13-game win streak, and, and Skinner has receded for most of those wins and picked up three more last week with 76 saves over the three victories. And his ownership has risen to 89%, where most people are seeing a confidence in him, just like the Oilers, that maybe they've found an answer in net, and it was a long time coming, and it makes them a scary out. As you mentioned last week, who wants to play this team in the first round of the playoffs? No kidding, right? <laughs> well, looking over at the most added players here, um, I'm going to start with like two literal just go listen to these names, pause the show, go put in claims, and then come back. These are your two guys. Brock Favor from Minnesota and uh, – uh, all right. <laughs> and uh, Sharon Govich for Calgary. Stop. Go get them. Now, now all right. Now that you're back, here's why. So for Faber, uh, his numbers just continue to speak for themselves. Uh, had, you know, he's on a four-game uh, four point streak, seven total points in his last four games, four of those coming with the man advantage. He's getting extended look with the power play. Uh, they're, they're relying on him heavily. He's seeing a ton of minutes. There's no reason this guy should only be 38% uh, owned uh, across across leagues right now. Absolutely not. The other guy, like I said, Sharon Govich, a little bit more riskier, I, I will admit that, but he's playing first-line opportunities for Calgary with Lindholm and Huberdeau. Again, he, his numbers right now are fairly solid. He, he was blanked in their most recent game against Edmonton, but the ones before that, you know, you've got seven goals in his last six games. Two of those came with the man advantage. The power play ice time is is huge. He's with the first unit. The shot totals are mostly uh, are, are mostly pretty good. Uh, so I, I again just twenty five percent owned. I think he should be on a lot of teams right now. The other one is uh, Alex Lyon for uh, yeah. Detroit. He has taken over as the number one. There's rumblings that maybe Billy Huso could come back before the break, or you know maybe they'll give him the extra time off. But at this point, when you look at Lions numbers, like why would you inject Billy Huso into that, you know, too much? I, I really don't think they should. Um, but as long as Huso's out, I think there's no question Lions going to see the minutes over James Reimer. Uh, I continue to tell people not to get on the Mario Ferraro train. Uh, that got a boost last night. Unfortunately, he got hurt last night, could miss a couple of games here, uh, you know, Again, it's boomer bust with this guy. You know, you you look at it, eight assists in his last four games sounds all well and good, but those came in three games. He had three and two and and two and another. So it's just boomer bust for him. I don't think he should be forty percent owned in leagues. Uh, that number is for sure going to drop depending on how long they rule him out after getting hurt yesterday. Um, so that's that's the reverse. Go drop him now uh, and and then come back to the show. And AJ, I'm going to turn my attention back to some goalies whose ownership rose last week, and it bears discussion based on the situations that they're in. Samuel Erson with Philadelphia, I said, maybe the most surprising uptick among teams around the league, and Erson's been a key part of it, combining with Carter Hart to give them a really solid one-two punch in the nets. And Erson's getting a larger share of the goal, and his ownership uptick to six, by 6.3% to only 12 overall. But I snapped him up because I think he's going to get uh, plenty of game starts the rest of the way on a team that can win almost every night the way they're going this season. Ditto for Connor Ingram, a good situation with Arizona competing for a playoff spot. 
and he is is taking some playing time against uh, up against the incumbent there and his ownership upticks by six percent six percent and actually is up to 64.5 percent on the year so good for him and then charlie lindgren yet another net minder who has taken over the share from uh, Kemper in Washington, his ownership uh, uptick by 5%, 5.2% last week, up to 28.8. And if you're looking for goalies to hold on to that role, this is one of one of those guys that I see getting more of a share than the guy that he's overtaken recently. Maybe the same thing in, in LA. I've been dying to say this all season, AJ, but big save Dave. Dave Riddich is... Uh, put his nose in in front of Cam Talbot of late and his ownership spiked by almost 5%. Talbot's maybe been overused by by LA and a guy that's playing above his pay grade this season for the Kings, a team whose fortunes have taken a turn for the worse in recent weeks, but maybe with Riddich in the Nets they get a bit of a boost there and uh in Seattle, this is a team that's trying to stay in a playoff hunt, and they're leaning heavily on Joey Decord of recent recent weeks, and uh, he's taken over the situation in the Seattle Nets and uh, done fairly well on the season to date. His, uh, his ownership's up to 59% on the season. So if you're looking for goalie help, there's a whole mitt full of guys out there is what I'm saying that can help you and uh, are on this list week in, week out. But uh, even in the overall look uh, where we t- included the top goalies in the league, all of these guys are right there in the top 20. So uh, if you if you need help in the nets, you've got to jump on one of these guys. Like like AJ said, pause the show and go grab one of these guys because they're they're putting their nose in front of the the, tra- the playing partners in, in each situation. With that, we will head into our break here. Uh, take a quick quick break here. Uh, you're listening to podcast with Statsman and AJ. We'll see you uh, shortly. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Survivor 46 is here and so is On Fire, the only official Survivor podcast, and we have a twist this season. The winner of Survivor 45, D. Vyadaris, will be joining us every week. We're going behind the scenes of the biggest moments, the how and the why things happen, and the strategy and analysis you can only get from someone like me, a Survivor winner. Listen to On Fire, the official Survivor podcast, wherever you get your podcasts. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. All right, welcome back to Podcast with Statsman and AJ. We turn our attention now to injury news and player drops in the past week, and then we'll finish up the show with a look at uh, tonight's busy schedule from the point of view of DFS strategy and picks on FanDuel and DraftKings. So let's move into our look at the injury news of the week and uh, 
off the top of the list, Valerie Nichushkin is a guy who is on the IR. He's going to go into the player assistance program, and he could be gone for some time, and that's a terrible blow to the Colorado offense, and we're going to see his ownership drop precipitously. He's the top most dropped player in the NHL this past week, not uh, because of a physical ailment, we understand, but uh, we hope that he gets himself righted soon, and uh, Colorado hopes to get him back in time for the playoffs, but he might not be very fantasy relevant the rest of the season at the NHL level in uh, in Colorado's lineup. And right behind him, Marty Jones is a guy whose ownership could uh, have seen a drop this past week. I mentioned that his performance has salvaged the league season in large part, but in the last few games, he's seen some big numbers, goals against, and it might be a case of just getting very tired. He's played 10 of their last 11 games, and uh, the ownership has dropped by 7.8%, and it figures to to stay at the level of about 27% uh, going forward because Samsonov looked very good in his last start, and Joseph Wall could be back after the All-Star break, so it's going to be a crowded situation in Toronto and one of those win-in-your-stay-in circumstances. Scott Wedgwood's ownership is going to take a drop because Jake Ottinger is back in tow. He he was dealing with a bit of a uh, minor issue this past week um, and, and is expected to play regularly and play the large uh, number of shares go- that remain on Dallas's schedule as their number one guy. But Wedgwood certainly held the fort in fine style, but uh, that ownership now is less than 10% on the season, and I don't see any reason to go and grab him based on the fact that the number one guy is back in the fold. Then uh, we go a look at Pyotr Kachetkov. Uh, his ownership dropped uh, 5% last week. He's dealing with concussion protocol, but I'm hearing that he's close to a return, AJ, and he's been the best of the lot in Carolina. So maybe don't jump that ship too quickly and hold on to this guy. I'm certainly keeping him in reserve in my circumstance, thinking that when he's healthy, and it should be any day now, he'll be getting the reins back for a team that at the beginning of the season was supposed to be the best team in the Eastern Conference. So don't jump ship on some of these guys too quickly, uh, despite their circumstances is what I'm telling you. Yeah, a couple of uh, longer term uh, injury updates. Uh, Jack Hughes, he'll be out through the All-Star break. Uh, similar situation for Thomas Nosek and Andre Palat. Uh, all three of those guys uh, getting close, but still going to be out for a little bit, while, a little while longer. Um, some more sort of positive news. Eric Cernak won't play tonight for Tampa Bay, but he's considered day to day after that. Uh, similar situation with um, uh, both uh, Patrick Kane and Ben Sherratt nearing returns, although there is also they, you know, their coach was kind of iffy. He was like, oh, they could return before the All-Star game. But maybe they shouldn't uh, was kind of the the statement. It was a kind of a weird quote, to be honest with you. Uh, Philip Cheadle, who went back um, to uh, his native Czech, Czech Republic, is back in New York. Uh, that should see him return to the lineup at some point here. Uh, Patrick Laine and Zach Wierenski are potential options to return before uh, their current team, uh, current road trips. So you got some uh, some big players uh, possible to return there. So uh, there's a ton more that we could talk about. Those are kind of some of the biggest names uh, kind of updates. Uh, Andre Sveshnikov will remain out of the lineup tonight for Carolina. Um, no real clear indication on, on when he might be back. Uh, Mark Andre Fleury still out tonight. Uh, they're still uh, evaluating him overall. They don't have a timeline for when he might be back. So expect a heavy dose of Gustafsson with, with Flurry uh, on the shelf right now. And I mentioned Cam Talbot. Uh, his ownership dropped by 5.7% in, in, in line with the increase for Dave Riddich. So just wanted to mention that in passing. Uh, we'll jump into other uh, decisions here that merit discussion. Travis Sanheim seen seeding some offensive minutes to the aforementioned defenseman in the Philadelphia circumstance from the top defensive players. Sandheim has given way and his ownership dropped by 4% last week. So that's something to watch for. Tom Wilson is a guy who has been fantasy relevant for years, but I think he's getting long in the tooth like like a couple of the other players there and their performance is, is not where it, it should be for this team to be a contender. And so maybe you drop him from your lineup and look for help from uh, upper, more upper echelon clubs. That's what I tend to focus on in the second half of the season. AJ, you got to figure that some of the guys on the, on this, these less lesser clubs that are outside the playoffs, even though they're top scorers for their teams, 
they've got to be thinking, oh, crap, we're not going to make the playoffs. And their performance kind of suffers where the teams uh, that have uh, contention, uh, hopes, and, and uh, have team players fired up game in, game out, get more out of their, their lineup. That's why I focus on the top six uh, forwards from those teams and the top four defensemen more than the also-ran clubs. And uh, like, for example, uh, Jeff Skinner missing the last five games. On, he's on the IR with an upper body injury. That's a first-line player in Buffalo. You can't wait around for him to recover. I would I would take a look at top six team players on other teams that are in contention for help rather than looking forward to Skinner's return, as an example. Dylan Dubé is another guy. There's a few issues here, uh, not just physical, but mental issues. And it bears mentioning that D- Dylan Dubé's situation, he's on an indefinite leave during to mental health. And of course, whenever that crops up, I, th- I can't only can only wish them a speedy recovery because I know what that looks like. And uh, it ain't pretty, folks. So we wish players like this well. And, and it's great that the NHL has a players assistance program that helps him and Andre Nichushkin, for example, with issues that they're dealing with right now. In terms of other players, there are players that are, are potential help at the trade deadline for other teams. Jared Spurgeon for Minnesota facing hip surgery. His season is done. So you can take him off your trade wish list if you were looking forward to him moving at the deadline. And how about a situation like Pierre Engvall, AJ? I want to mention this one because I saw a lot of this guy in Toronto. 14 points in 41 games played. That's what you get from him. Basically, third-line minutes. I find it unbelievable that he is signed for the next seven years at $3 million a year. Must have caught Lou Lamorello at a very weak moment. But he's out of the lineup missing the last three games with an upper body injury. And that's what you get with Engvall, too. So uh, I'm glad he's not my, my problem here in Toronto. But uh, he's certainly going to be an albatross with that contract going forward. I, I I sort of agree, Paul. But at the same time, like three mil, not that much, especially when you consider like Cap's going to jump. Like a oh, sure. million dollar deal as a third line role come 27, 28, 28, 29. It's actually not terrible um, <laughs> when you consider what what other third liners are probably going to be getting uh, in, you know, six, five, six years from now. So I actually don't hate that contract as much. Honestly, the bigger thing that I don't like about it is they gave him a modified no trade clause. So he has a 16 team, no trade list. Like that's my bigger concern. Like, why did you give this guy that kind of like, uh, you know, power to determine where he's going. So. Absolutely. AJ, I want to come back to you with a question on what do you do with a guy like Jack Hughes? He could return after the all-star break, but he's been out for an awfully long time. And, and uh, knowing that circumstance was going to be in place, I still have him on my roster, but I wonder if I made the right move. And what do you think about that situation? He's a point per game player. You can't drop him, Paul. If you had dropped him, somebody else would have picked him up and, and stashed him away. Um it, there's just no no getting around it. I mean, 99 points last year in 78 games. Obviously, he's going to be hard-pressed to get there with uh, how many games he's missed. But point-per-game player, half of his production roughly this season is coming on the man advantage. Like, there, there's no way to drop Jack Hughes. And what about a guy like Vince Dunn missing the last three games with an undisclosed injury? It's the undisclosed part that bothers me, AJ. I know it's a sore point with you, but you got a guy here who's a linchpin on the Seattle power play, and you don't know when he's going to come back because of that nebulous disclosure. Uh, Another quandary that I'm going to throw at you and say, what do you do when you see undisclosed injury and you don't know how long a guy's going to be out and he has value to the team that he plays for? Yeah, that one's definitely tougher. Um, again, though, I, I think, you know, it, it's it's all about replacement value, right? Like if you drop, if you drop done, what are you getting out on the, the market, even in the short term? Just, in, you know, say, all right, he's probably going to miss a week. Uh, you know, what am I getting on the short term if I drop him? And I don't know that the market is there to give you 35 points in 42 games. You know, most leagues probably aren't. If you're in a shallow league, uh, he's probably worth dropping. But anything around a, a 10 to 12 team league, I just don't think uh, you're going to find enough replacement value on dropping a guy like him. So, you know, it, it it's tough to ride out those storms. I mean, I've got Jeff Skinner on my team. Uh, I talked at the start of the year how I kept Montour and Ekblad for most of the start. Like, um, it's, it's a tough call, but... Yeah, you got to look at replacement value, and I don't see it 
probably being there in most leagues for Vince Dunn. And I touched on the replacement parts that are in New Jersey situation. Dougie Hamilton is a guy that I had on my team, uh, very early pick in my draft. But when you got a torn pectoral muscle and everything's pointing to the fact that he will likely miss the rest of the regular season. You got to punt on a player like that. And again, looking for replacement value, uh, you might start looking for close close to home there and see who the player is on his roster that's going to take his place. And we mentioned that earlier in the show. So those are just some of the things that uh, we might recommend. And I'll close this section by pointing out that Mark Shifley's on the IR with a lower body injury. That's the team leader in Winnipeg, uh, one of the top teams in the NHL. But uh, don't don't fret, folks. If you got him in in terms of your roster, he could return as early as later this week in a couple, in a back-to-back series against the Maple Leafs. I know he wouldn't want to miss either of those games. Mentioned uh, Aiden Hill's return, ready to go any day now, and Joseph Wall with an ankle injury that kept him out for the past month and a half in Toronto is skating and should be back after the All-Star break. So that's a couple of goalie situations that we continue to touch on throughout the show. And I'm really happy to see that Logan Couture made a season debut, AJ. This guy missed the the bulk of the season, has played two games for San Jose, a team that's having a dreadful campaign. But it can only be helped by the return of, of the, the linchpin of their offense at center, leader of this club. So I'm happy to see that a, a veteran like him gets back in, in tow in the NHL. With that, we will turn our attention to DFS strategy tonight, uh, ahead of a 10-game slate uh, and... Uh, it looks like it's up to you. It's a nine-game slate, I should say. And it's up to you to lead us into what you're doing for the DraftKings lineup of choice at your end. Yeah, absolutely. So I'm going uh, kind of two teams uh, that I, I hit pretty heavily. Uh, the first is Minnesota. Uh, I, I think they're playing at home. They're against Washington. It's a decent matchup. Uh, there's some guys here that you can can really key in on. And that starts for me, with uh, Joel Erickson Eck, just been on an absolute tear of late. Uh, it's pretty expensive, 7,300. Uh, but again, you look at those numbers, uh, he's got eight points in his last four games. Uh, that includes, you know, obviously multiple multi point games. The shots have been really high. Uh, that's something I, I really look at a lot. Even before this kind of recent burst, he was on a bit of a goal slump there for a while, but he put 55 shots up in his last 13 games. Uh, so the shot totals are there. Uh, so I think he's worth, worth it. Uh, obviously at 7,300, you're not in it just for shots, but I think he's worth uh, a crack tonight. I'm going to go uh, high, low on my centers. I'm going to go with Chandler Stevenson for the golden Knights. I know we talked that the Islanders probably going to have a little bit of a boost, um, but the golden Knights are playing really well. Chandler Stevenson is back in that, First line, uh, first line center role with uh, Eichel injured. Uh, so he's playing with, you know, Mark Stone. I, I think it's a good opportunity for 4,300 to use him in your lineup here. I go with a mini stack on the wing uh, with some Rangers. The Rangers are playing San Jose tonight. That always has to be a consideration. I'm going to go the two guys on the top line, opposite ends here, go with Chris Kreider, 6,600. And then Capo Caco comes in at just 3,000. Top uh, top line assignment there. Recently returned from injury. So he does have just one point in his last five games, nine shots over that stretch. But I would expect his minutes are going to creep up. They're going to get him more opportunities as he gets going here. Uh, and I expect against San Jose a good, good opportunity. Uh, I had to do it, Paul. I didn't want to, but Joel Farabee, the Flyers are at home tonight, 5,400. He's just playing out of his mind right now, 5,400 to steal for him. Don't need to linger on that any longer. I go back to Minnesota with my utility spot. Uh, Marco Rossi comes in at 3,900. He's their first line center right now. Uh, again, on a little bit of a, a an increased bump, three points in his last three games. I, I'm thinking Minnesota is going to have a good night. So under 4K for him, a steal. I stick with Minnesota for my first defenseman, Brock Faber, 4,900. I talked at length about everything he's doing right now. You're getting him for under 5K. Can't can't miss there. Uh, and then Victor Hedman, 6,500. He's uh, had uh, tied for uh, second most shots this past week among defensemen. Uh, 13 shots over that stretch. Uh, so really uh, putting a lot of, uh, oh, I'm sorry, tied for third, my, my bad. But um, a lot of shots over that stretch, 6,500, a little steep, 
Uh, but I think worth it for a guy with with his role on there. And then between the Nets, I didn't want to pay like top of the board price and go with like a Skinner. Although going up against Columbus, it might be worth it. 8,500 was Skinner's price tag. Shesterkin was 84. So I wanted to save a little bit of money here. So I went back to Minnesota and went with Gustafson, who is confirmed to be uh, the net minder tonight. So it's a heavy Minnesota lean. Hopefully they uh, give me a good game. Obviously, if they don't, my lineup's pretty much sunk. Um, I invested heavily in them, but I think it's worth it with tonight's matchup. And uh, AJ, I, I tipped my hand with a couple of players I talked about earlier in the show, but I went cheap at center to start my building of my lineup with a couple of guys that are actually not playing the position, oddly enough. Wyatt Johnson, though he's listed as a center on the first line in Dallas, he's going to be play wing, wing on that unit, coming in at $5,800 to play with the big boys against Detroit. And uh, he's got four points in his last four games played, looking really solid playing in that situation and getting power play minutes as well. So I got a cheap value and a solid one as one of my centers. And I think I doubled down on that with Ridley Grieg for Ottawa uh, as the second line center of note uh, in FanDuel play with $4,400 being his price tag. He actually was going to play wing on that line with Stutzley and Batherson, two offensively uh, motivated players who seem to play like uh, the 1950s Montreal Canadiens, uh, whenever they face the Montreal Canadiens, they beat them 6-2 to two last week. So I'm looking for a repeat performance from that line and that Ridley Grieg will capitalize. That gives me two cheap centers at, at barely $10,000 in total and good situations to be uh, to allow me to spend more money elsewhere. And I started to do that when I looked at Edmonton matchup against Columbus. You mentioned it's one of the more lopsided ones on the board tonight. So I go with Ryan Nugent Hopkins on the top line playing with with Connor McDavid uh, coming in at $7,300. You know he's going to be featured on the power play as well. And uh, they could roll a big big number against Columbus. I don't see the Jackets stopping the uh, charging Edmonton Oilers and uh, keeping them from a 14th straight victory. In New York, the Rangers are getting great work from Chris Kreider uh, on the power play, especially of late. He's $7,900 the price tag against San Jose. He's got eight points in his last seven games played, but I really like the shots on goal. He's pouring almost four per game in his last 11 tilts and looking like a, uh, an immovable, ob- immovable object in front of opposing nets. When I've been watching some of the Rangers games recently, he's been right there on the power play, uh, tipping in shots, getting rebounds, and playing with their top players, uh, of which he has won, certainly. So good situation and a lopsided matchup for those two wingers. I go to the defense. I like Brock Faber. I, uh, you mentioned him a lot earlier, so I, I bought into him at $5,300. Against Washington, not one of the top teams in the league. He's got seven points in his last four games played. So a mismatch uh, in the offing there for the Minnesota defenseman. And Igor Zamula, I mentioned him myself earlier, AJ, for the Flyers. $3,600 the price tag, despite the fact he's got five points in his last six games played and has emerged as a power play quarterback quarterback for this club in recent games and playing against Tampa, certainly a tough matchup, but Philadelphia should be considered a tough matchup every night, the way they've been going this season, as I've said a couple of times on the show. So that could be one of the more compelling games on the schedule, actually, that I'll probably tune into for a little bit. In terms of the uh, utility guys on my roster to round out the squad offensively, Evander Kane should have a, a good time tonight against Columbus playing wing on the second line. A good situation for him. $6,600 the price tag. He'll get power play minutes as well. And I I wonder about the motivation of Columbus tonight in this matchup, AJ. I think they're just overmatched and just going to have their hard hats on and hope they don't get shelled too, too badly. And uh, rounding out the offense uh, for Dallas, $6,700 the price tag for Tyler Sagan versus Detroit. He's played at a point-per-game pace in his last 12 games played. He hasn't looked this good offensively in years, AJ. That's uh, He's... Uh, causing them to consider the fact that they are no longer looked at as a one-line team as he's anchoring a second unit there offensively. And uh, we know how tight they play defensively. So a team that will challenge most opponents every night. And I think Ottinger is going to be a net, so they should have the edge over Detroit in this matchup. But even if he isn't, I give 
Dallas the nod, and Sagan can be a key factor in the decisive nature of that outcome. Then finally, in the Nets, I went cheap as well, partner, but I'm counting on Ottawa to continue their mastery over Montreal, and Corpus Allo is the goalie that I'm looking at for $7,300, but regardless of who is in the Nets, I'm taking the Ottawa goalie against the Canadian team that basically is a one-line hockey team recently, and if they can keep that line under wraps, I like their chances to get the W tonight for whichever goalie starts for the Senators. And with that, AJ, we have deferred one of the bigger topics of the week to the latter part of the show, and that is the signing of Corey Perry with Edmonton. I'm going to give you a first crack at describing your thoughts about this addition and uh, what you think you might expect with the addition of this veteran to the squad. Well, one of the the first thoughts that that came to mind, they said, uh, you know, oh, you know, we want Perry to get uh, get some practice games in. You know, he probably won't play until uh, until Saturday. Well, mm-hmm. if you look at their schedule, they play Chicago on Thursday, so <laughs> it felt very convenient to me that a thirty uh, eight year old, nineteen year veteran in this league needed time to practice with his new team. Uh, before he was getting in the lineup. Look, they they skipped the Chicago game, and I, I get it. I have no problem with that choice. I also have no problem with them signing Corey Perry. Fully acknowledged that he did something wrong uh, in Chicago that uh, he needed to, to get right, and, um, you know, he's seemingly on the mend. I, I think the league probably would have had something to say uh, in this transaction if, if it wasn't the case, and so – I, you know, I do believe in, in second chances, um, you know, so I'm, I'm, I'm fine with the decision. Uh, he had nine points in 16 games with Chicago could add some decent depth, depth scoring to Edmonton. Uh, certainly that's something that, uh, you know, they won't hurt for having a player like Corey Perry in their bottom six uh, could see some power play opportunities with them as well. Uh, so I, th- I think it's a good addition all around. I have no problems with the signing um, I just I, I laughed when they said that he needed to practice before he could play in a game like this guy's been in the league for near 20 years. He didn't need to practice. He just didn't want him to play in Chicago. And I, I get it. It's fine. But it was just funny to hear them dodge around that. Yeah, I think you covered that aspect of it uh, very well. And, you know, we have to skate around it kind of carefully because we don't know all the details of what went on. And, they may never come out, but in terms of the on-ice addition of Corey Perry to this team, I think he's going to bolster definitely the bottom six unit and bring a little bit of leadership to the mix as well. And a guy who's been there before uh, joining this roster of a hopeful team that will, is expecting to go on a long run, it can only mean good news on the ice for the, the team. And, and that's where I'll uh, focus my attention, thinking that uh, solid move, getting a big rangy guy with tons of experience, and uh, should should contribute offensively as well. And uh, that's a key aspect when you look at the bottom six players as well. You don't want them to just be plug and play and just hope to, to draw even. Uh, they, they want some goal scoring from the bottom, and he's provided in the past. AJ, you and I have waved our respective national flags at each other uh, throughout the history of our, our time on this show, and I'm going to take an opportunity to do that again here today with an eye toward the future when I mention that three Canadian teams are right now the hottest teams in the entire NHL, with Edmonton on a current 13-game winning streak that we touched on earlier, Vancouver 8-1-1, one, and, one, and Winnipeg 8-2. Eight, and two. And uh, the burning question north of the border is, can a team from Canada finally end the winless Stanley Cup drought. I think these three teams give it a give it a great chance. And I'm going to add a fourth with the Maple Leafs that they could be a sneaky opponent. They haven't really run roughshod in the regular season like they have in the past few years to be one of the top teams in the league. But I still don't think there's a lot of teams that are looking forward to playing them in the first round. I mean, they finally won a first round last year, for heaven's sake. So they are on the uptick in that regard. But uh, three other very hot teams in the NHL, uh, come from Canada right now, and they give me hope that uh, we got a shot. I know you're going to say they don't, but that'll be tongue firmly in cheek, I think. <laughs> no, yeah, I, I uh, was giving you a hard time beforehand, but uh, I do think uh, this is probably one of the best opportunities they has, they've had in a while. Uh, I don't know that I would include the Leafs in that, to be to be totally blunt uh, with you, but. Uh, I think Vancouver is probably one of my favorites to potentially uh, make a run 
at it uh, among those those three teams. Obviously, Edmonton is is playing outstanding, and they're always in the mix when you have uh, uh, McDavid and Drysaitel in your lineup. So it it's a strong candidate year for them to pull it off. Um, but there are a lot of good teams. You know, there's still uh, Colorado and Vegas in the in the West, and so that's going to hurt. You know, Edmonton and Vancouver's chances of making it out the East, and, and maybe that is you know, where Toronto could be an option here. The East is definitely weaker uh, than it has been in past years. So maybe uh, Toronto could come out of the East and, you know, look, maybe it'll just, maybe we can just settle it all. It'll just be, you know, Toronto, Vancouver in the Stanley cup final. And then, you know, it happens either way. So. I'd almost take that, but my God, I can't think of that. I've wasted, waited so long to see the Leafs lose a, a cup final there. It'd be a, a still a bitter pill for me. In any case, there is hope north of the border, and uh, there's a more than a handful of teams, more than a few teams that give me that hope. AJ, I'm hoping that I next week I'll be outside uh, where I'm staying this uh, this couple of weeks in Arizona to give you a bit of a sense for how, how beautiful it is out here. But uh, still raining as we finish the recording of this show. But I'm happy to be down here in AZ. We also are very happy that you've tuned in to listen to RotoWire's podcast with Statsman and AJ. And as always, we remind you that we're here to help you with all things relating to your enjoyment of fantasy hockey. So we encourage you to send your comments or questions on Twitter, where you can follow me, Paul Bruno, at Statsman22, and you can follow AJ at AJScholes24. Have a great week, everybody. We'll talk to you in seven days. 